shows lean left, some lean right, but we lean local and business. This is North Georgia Business Radio X with Phil Benelli. For the next hour, we will celebrate the businesses in our area and the people that run them. Find us on Facebook at North Georgia Business Radio X and online at NorthGeorgiaBusinessRadioX.com. Now, here's Phil Benelli. Never underestimate the importance of practically everything. Welcome to the show today, Mr. Alan Dragu, a great friend, the Senior Director of Operations at Missio. Missio is like mission without the end. I want to hear right. about that name in a second. Yeah. Um, and, and overall, I, to me, th- th- this is the Phil Benelli. If I were to paint Alan Dragu and I need a description at the bottom, I would say marketing guru... Marketing and leadership thought leader. Oh, gosh. That's what I'd say. <laughs> That's what I would say. I guess we'll have to hold up that in this podcast and just hang it out. And one heck of a guy. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate the, the wild introduction. And I and I get to hang out here and just chat with you. Win-win. Yeah. I, double win. Win-win. I love it. I love it. Thanks oh, for having me. So tell us about Missio. Yeah, absolutely. Start so, with the name because I'm so intrigued. Missio. Actually, the name is kind of new. So so the company prior to it rebranding, it rebranded in January. So the rebrand launched in January. Uh, the company started and is owned by the CEO, Andrew Spikes, who actually lives in Flowery Branch. Okay. So he lives in Flowery Branch. Uh, he's an old friend of mine. I actually, I actually used to lead worship with him at a church in Buford. That's how I ran into him was... He got connected to a friend of mine. I forgot who that friend was. I think I think uh, my friend's name was Joey. And Joey uh, connected with me and said, hey, met this cool guy. He uh, is looking for some help for some guitarists on a Sunday. He was leading worship at this church. Let me, let me interrupt real quick and just interject and say, Alan is a tremendous guitar player. He is so good. He's awesome. <laughs> if you are ever, if there's ever a Sunday morning and you're like, hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. You should go to 12 Stone Flowery Branch where Alan plays on the praise team and just shreds the guitar. It's a good time. It's a great time. It's a good time together. And it's true. I play guitar. And that's how I got connected to the church. I was kind of helping out, uh, play some guitar every once in a while at this church. I got connected to Andrew. And then many years later, many years later, we connected through another mutual thing, which is our passion for digital marketing. So at the time when we connected... I was one of the marketing directors at 12 Stone Church. So I was on staff at 12 Stone. And then just about uh, seven months ago, I moved off staff at 12 Stone and uh, joined the team at Missio, which is a digital marketing company for faith-based organizations and leaders. Mm. So we specifically do digital marketing for churches, faith-based nonprofits, faith-based leaders. So... Missio, the name is is Latin for uh, mission driven. Okay, and so it's just it's basically mission without the n on the end. Very very simple, uh, and the whole concept is just we true we truly believe that your marketing should be tied to your mission, and 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 that's the that's the most important thing. It's very. It's almost countercultural to a lot of people who are very focused on uh, ROI, KPIs, OKRs, things like that when it comes to marketing, just trying to drive results and growth. And all those things are very good, very important. I'm not opposed to any of those things. 
Um, but we're positioning ourselves as a marketing company that helps you connect your mission. Hey, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to impact? What problem are you trying to solve? Who are you seeking to serve? Those types of things. Let's figure out those things, and then we're going to help you do that. So That's got to be so satisfying. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, and it was one of the things that, honestly, I never thought I would not do marketing at the church. So I was on staff at Tulsa for almost five years and loved it. I thought, wow. it was, I thought it was incredible. Great team, great culture, great church. Still attend, obviously still attend. Uh, we go with our family, go with my family. and uh, But in doing that, to be able to shift and say, hey, I'm doing marketing just for hundreds of churches now. And I get to help them do what they do across, honestly, across the world, which is really, really cool. So yeah, Andrew started the company about... Nine years ago, he prior to him starting the company, he was the global head of advertising at UPS, mm. uh, which is really really cool. And uh, and he did that for a long time, and then yeah, over the course of nine years, Missio continued to grow, uh, especially skyrocketed during COVID because everybody mm. went digital, needed help with social media and websites and digital advertising and all those things. So it skyrocketed then. However, prior to it being known as Missio, it was known as churchmarketing.is. <laughs> That's what it was. So it was, it was just churches, all those things. And by product, though, um, the, the company at, at the time, Church Marketing, also had a uh, faith-minded business section, which was called Tonic Rocket. Okay. Uh, so it had both entities, one for like business Christian. So like Phil, you would be a perfect example. You're... Uh, you believe in Jesus, right? You follow Jesus, and you're a faith-minded leader. But maybe you're in the maybe you're in the secular space. Maybe you work at Regions, or maybe you have a farm, or or those types of things, right? Yep. You're entrepreneurial, um, and maybe you would need help with digital marketing. That's that was mm. more so the tonic rocket side, where church marketing was just for churches. And after a while, uh, Andrew was like, "We got to combine this. this All is, right, this, we got to make this a lot easier." So it did. So that's where Missio was born, launched, uh, rebranded in January. I came on in April, beginning of April. Yeah. And it has been super fun, which was couldn't have been more perfect timing. So I got to jump into the team. The brand was new. Some of the processes were new. We were shifting things around. It felt like just God's orchestration was all over that and navigating that. So really fun, really excellent. Very honored. What so I get to do. You come the entities combined. Yes. But then is there still a uh Christian Christian business person focus or is now it's like, hey, we're gonna come up, but we're just focusing on religious organizations? It's yeah, so it's ba- it's faith based organizations, leaders, nonprofits. I see. I got you. Yeah, okay. so so definitely the the Phil Benelli's of the world who are um leading in their job maybe own a car dealership or whatever it does it doesn't matter what if you're in business and you're a faith-based leader and you need help with your marketing we will help them too as long as they're a faith-based leader so they'll have to agree with our statement of faith which we actually put in the docusigns i love it well and you you've taught me a lot about marketing over the years and i know that you know you need to be focused on who your audience is you're not exactly right know your niche Yep. And uh, what a great niche. And I'm sure that, you know, any faith-based leaders and, you know, whether they be, they be in the secular world or a nonprofit or a church, 
if they want to work with a marketing company that aligns with their values because more than you know if you're getting toilet paper from somewhere you might still want them to align with your values but if you're working with a company that's representing <laughs> your voice example. yeah that's a big deal they you know they're speaking for you in many ways yeah 100% and that honestly that's probably one of the top things we hear um, prior to me take jumping into this uh, senior director of operations we're always doing director of strategy so I got my feet wet in front of hundreds of potential clients and mm. hundreds of current clients mm. and whenever I got to sit and do strategy with them on the phone that was one of the most resonating factors is hey I reached out saw your website and I just felt much better that you guys align with my values right and so that's that's been one of the bigger things that, especially in today's culture and today's generation, whenever you resonate with somebody's values, it's the same for where, where you work somewhere. If you work somewhere, uh, a lot of the time, you love where you work because your employer's values directly match yours. Right. Or you dislike where you work because the employer's values dismatch yours, right? And so it's the same thing when with outsourcing. So a lot of people instead of building an internal marketing department, they'll outsource it. Well, if, if you were to build it internally, you would have built it the way you would have built it. Right. With people you would have selected, with values that you would Im embed in the team, in the culture. So when you outsource, you want to find the closest thing possible. All right, let's pick back up on working in values after this break on North Georgia Business Radio X. get what you value in life, in business, etc. Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I am your host, Phil Benelli, here with the one, the only, Mr. Alan Drago. Glad to be back. Oh, I'm glad to have you back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to have you I back. I love it. I love it. Uh, usually, I bring the guests a cup of Meadowlark coffee because I value them. And I was not able to today. And I know I don't you have one of I these. I know you didn't leave after the first one, even though... And I appreciate that. But I'll get you one afterwards. Well, I appreciate it. You we'll go to lunch it. after this. I'm down. I am so down. Um, before the break, we were talking about values. And I love some things I heard from Alan. You know how their company, Missio, is really focused on their values and on helping uh, companies that share their values. And Alan, you, you were mentioning how, you know, Customers or uh, employees love working at companies that share their values. 100%. Let me tell you one thing that jumped to my mind. Please do. Is that how important it is for you as a leader, if you think about what are the values I care about, what do I value? Yep. And make sure you are living those. I will give you an example of when this is not done well. At my farm, okay, I value things. I want things to be organized, orderly. Mm -hmm. But I many times do not live out those values myself. <laughs> and if I don't, and it is chaotic, which it sometimes can be, and sometimes things get chaotic, but there's, there's too much chaos. And when you don't live out the values, you are attracting or only retaining people who 
are fine in that environment because they don't care. They yep. don't have that value. So business leaders out there or just in your personal home, whatever relationship, think about what you value and make sure you are living congruent with those values or you're going to continue to attract people yeah. who don't. 100%. Um, in fact, a, a wise mentor once told me, a mutual friend of ours, uh, once told me, you value what you say, what you do, and what you celebrate mm. in, in that order. In Well, technically in reverse order being what you celebrate is of the highest value to you. What you do right below that and then what you say right below that. For example, if we're talking about work culture, let's talk about work culture. We've probably both been a part of multiple different work environments. And I remember being in a work environment that said that they valued excellent work-life balance and phenomenal rest for their employees to be at tip-top shape. But what they celebrated <laughs> was 70-hour work weeks, Oof. which is very different than what they said, right? And then you realize very quickly, oh, it's not, it's not the rest you value. You value 70-hour work weeks because <laughs> that's what you keep celebrating in, right. in our meetings and when we show up and you celebrate this and you celebrate coming early and you celebrate coming late, which by the way, I'm not opposed to hard work at all. Like you got to work hard, definitely. You got to put those things in, but you just need to make sure that whatever it is, what you say, what you do, and what you celebrate should all be aligned, right? Because those are the emphasis behind what you truly value. And your people are going to sniff that out, right? Your team's going to sniff that out, um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Right? So I love that. Live it. Yeah, you got to live it. Live it. You got to live it and celebrate it in other people. And celebrate it. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you, you need to, again, really think about what those values are. And reflect on them often. Often. Uh, and as your organization grows, or if it's already large, just like you have to foster that environment with your behavior, you got to make sure your top leaders do too. Yeah. that's And that's a great point. That's a great point. But it is a top-down thing, isn't it? Is mm. If you foster that behavior with your leaders, your leaders will foster the, that behavior. with it's, a, it's the Twitter effect. Yep. They're going to retweet it. The Twitter effect. Yeah. I've never even heard this, but it makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything in puns. So if I post something, right, my job, if let's say I get on Twitter and I post an idea, my job is not to try and get it in front of four, five, 10 million people. My job is to get it in front of the people I have influence over. Mm -hmm. In business, you have influence over probably directly your team. So like I right now I have six people who report to me. I have direct influence over those six people. So when I tweet quote unquote, when I say something, when I put something of value out there, I'm tweeting to those six people. I hope they retweet it to their 20 people. That's the point. The point is that you influence a, a small crowd of people, but mm -hmm. they influence personally a different small crowd of people. They have direct influence. So instead of me trying to go over my managers and try and influence their employees, which I don't have as much of a relationship with, I hope they retweet the value, live it themselves, and they have direct influence over those people. Mm. It just makes it more impactful because it's all personal. All right, let me ask you this. Go for it. Off that. Because you're, you're my digital marketing guru, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> On the note of values yeah. and influencing people, it is very popular, it appears to me, in our culture and in, you know, in business to, to um, feel compelled 
to let's say tweet mm-hmm. about whatever values uh, are are the values of the day, and there's like a lot of virtue signal cir- cir- circling messaging. So, for example, if there's whatever s- big social things going on, companies feel like they have to engage in it. Mm-hmm. I think. They should think of what are our values. We're going to focus on our on our values and do what we do. For example, at the bank, we're super focused on community development and uh, financial literacy and education. So like, yeah. that's what we're doing. 100%. You know, if somebody in the community comes to me and they're like, "Hey, could you guys sponsor something about my mission?" You know, when it's not in alignment with our mission, then I I say, "Hey, I really appreciate what you do, but it's not in line." With what we're doing. I we don't dislike it. We're just hyper focused on what we do. One hundred percent. So we're not engaging on everything. Yeah. If I'm a small business owner or a business leader and I'm thinking of, hey, how do I engage in social media and whatnot, what do you think about that? Should I feel pressured to engage in any everything? Or just be like, Hey, here's what I care about. This is who I am. Yeah. I'm gonna focus on that. Um yeah, honestly. The best, the best thing to do is engage in the things you want to be known for. Mm. Engage in the things you want to be known for, and don't worry about the things you don't want to be known for. Um, and you're going to always get pressure, right? You're always going to get pressure uh, from cultural topics, from ideas, and things like that. But just, just know that the minute you hop in that pool, you're now going to have the slightest sense of that's what you're getting known for. Mm-hmm. And you can't be known for everything, right? And so you you do have to pick and choose. For example, like probably the biggest example of this is during COVID, right? During COVID, left and right was intense cultural values being portrayed, whether it was uh, Black Lives Matter or or the COVID mask or whatever it is. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But regardless, there were some very interesting things that were very telling of our culture and telling of companies, Right. Um, let's the black lives matter for a second in going down that a lot of people hopped on that train one, because they believed in it and two, because they thought it was right. Or three, because they thought it was a cultural phenomenon that they had to, otherwise they would get shunned or whatever it is. But the difference is the companies who had already aligned certain values like that in their company, it didn't feel weird when they went super ham on that value, Mm. right? Nike, great example. Black Lives Matter is already super embedded in Nike's culture. I mean, they they have some of the greatest black athletes in their culture, on their roster, right? On their team that they sponsor. So much of their culture is that. And so when they start talking about that value, it didn't feel weird. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that totally makes sense. But then when a different company that has never done anything to support that culture ever whatsoever outside of that world, if they all of a sudden start doing things like that, you sniff it out and you're like, are you mm-hmm. sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? And that's where that's where you feel the tension because as a company, small business, large business, whatever it is, you've been building a reputation of what you are for or what you are against. Mm-hmm. That's what people know you. Mm-hmm. That's how they know you is they are for this, so I'm for that. Or it, or they are against this, so I am against that, and that, and that's how they team up with you. And so at that point, um, you should propel what you're already propelling in your business. Attach yourself to things you are for, you are against, and anything in the middle, probably stay away from because people are going to sniff that out and be like, "I don't think so. I've yeah. never got that from them." That's weird. Where's this coming from? Where's it coming from? Yeah. And, and and then why are you just saying this so that you could sell me whatever you're trying to sell me? Exactly. Keeping it real. All right, we're going to keep it real when we come back from this break on North Georgia Business Radio X.
What will you write in your next chapter? Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I am your host, Phil Benelli, here with my good pal, Mr. Alan Drake. When I mentioned all the uh, things that make him so awesome earlier, I neglected one important, actually several important facts. I didn't want to bore you with everything that he's awesome <laughs> at, but he is just finishing up a book. Yep. Tell us about this, Alan. Yeah. Uh, it's a book, shockingly, about marketing. <laughs> um, so, and I get this question every time, do we really need another book about marketing? And I even say in the book, in the introduction, yes and no, mm. you probably don't need another marketing book. And so your next question is probably, <laughs> why did you write a book <laughs> on marketing? Um, um, yeah. And so it really, honestly, writing the book was the synopsis of something that I wanted for myself three, four, five years ago. Because in coming to, I've been doing marketing for almost a decade at some Fortune 500 companies, small tech companies. Uh, obviously, the chart, I mentioned 12 Sun earlier. I did marketing there. I did marketing on the side where I was helping small businesses. And, and something that I wish somebody would have handed me throughout the process was not necessarily the marketing books I did read. Well, I did like those. I read a lot of marketing books. I consumed a lot of content online. And in fact, that's where I learned the majority of what I know. Um, but the thing that I wish somebody would have handed me was a book of principles. Mm. Something that transcended the idea of it's 2011 and this is how to grow on Instagram, which is most marketing content. Or like you can go get a digital marketing degree via Google now and it's only $50 a month. Or you can watch these YouTube channels and everything's very timely. Everything's very timely. Um, and the, and the things that they teach kind of expire, right? Mm -hmm. They'll teach you how to measure things that don't expire, right? Performance metrics, KPIs. We mentioned those a little bit earlier. So, so all of those things where it's about ROI, it's about growing your company or, or anything like that, not bad things at all, but what I was missing and what something, something that, uh, the wise people around me taught me were principles, when I was at my time at 12 Stone, I had two incredible people that invested deeply into me. It was Pierre, and you know Pierre, and, and Jeremy. And those two guys, whenever they taught me something, they never taught me something that was like timely or this is how you do it today. It was like a principle on how to mm, think, mm, like holistically. Mm. Hey, if you don't know why we made this decision, it was because of this value. And I was like, well, what's that value? And it was this and this. And I started unlocking those sorts of things. So I started exploring, well, what, what were the principles that I was making my own marketing decisions on? You have values, you just have to write them down. We talked about values earlier. So the book is 38 Simple Principles to Make Your Marketing Match Your Mission. Meaning you have a mission and that mission is to help a certain set of people. It's not to make money, that's always a byproduct, right? Making money is always a byproduct. It's to help a certain set of people with a specific problem. That's your mission, whatever that mission is. This marketing book is 38 simple principles to help you match your mission to your marketing. So that way when you go make marketing decisions, you have a framework, a guide, a filter, something that tells you, hey, we're going to do this instead of this because this is what we value. And so it's principles that you can carry on for 10, 15, 20 years. I've used them for the last five years now and said, oh, these last, they can go anywhere. I should write them down. And I had them written down in my notes app. I had all these written oh, wow. down in my notes app. And that's how I used to make decisions. Huh. And, so when you were at a crossroads, you'd be, and you're like, mm. I don't know what to do. 
Yeah. You pull out your notes app and I look at the principles. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. 100% because if I didn't know what to, and I would use them in conversations. In fact, my employees at 12 Stone, they'd probably, when they read this book, they're like, oh, yep. He definitely, <laughs> he definitely had these right. Because they would say these over and over. They would say we'd, we'd have principles like time over stuff, sim- simple over sophisticated. Everything's a paradox, right? Everything's a paradox. Or like um, FOMO over promo. We And all these principles we would have down. And so when somebody would be like, hey, we should blah, blah, blah. And I'd say we should, but we can't because of blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, that's right. And like time over stuff, very common one. I mentioned my friend Pierre. Pierre taught me that one. Where it was like stuff scales. If you want to buy stuff and get people in the door and and just spend a lot of money, right, and do a, a typical marketing thing, which is buy a bunch of stuff, hand out a bunch of stuff, swag, all this stuff. Stuff scales. So a lot of people go to stuff. But time is something we invest in more than stuff. That's like a simple principle where it's like, hey, instead of spending $500,000 buying stuff and handing it out, what if we spent 50 employee hours spending time with a specific set of people and building relationships with them? That's time over stuff. And so whenever they'd be like, you know what we should do for this? We should palooza out the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And then you'd be like, well, how does that give them time? That just gives them stuff. Oh, you're right. Yeah, let's go time over stuff on this one. And and so there's 38 principles like that. And you're not going to resonate with 38. You'll probably resonate with three of them. But imagine now having three principles that you could put in your back pocket and pull out whenever you want. That's like, this is why we should do what we should do. Mm. And so it's principles that have helped me over time. I love the way, just from those two examples too, that you um, kind of shared the way that you might uh, share those with your people that you're coaching. So in the first one, somebody said, hey, why don't we do this? And you said, or we should do this. And you said, we should, but it's not aligned with the principle. So you validate, hey, get great idea. Yeah. But we're following these principles and we trust them and know they work. So that's why we're going to do this. 100%. The second example you gave when somebody had an idea that was contradictory to a principle is you just asked them the question, hey, how does that align with this principle? 100%. Principles are the best. It is so nice to have a guiding light. You have to have that to go back to when you're making decisions, how does it fit in with these principles? Yeah. Makes life easier. And it takes the weight off having to make the decision every time. Because imagine not having principles. And this is the part where I was like, I wish I could have handed this book to myself five years ago is because you'll walk into situations. And if you don't have principles, that means every decision needs to be made every time. Mm -hmm. And you have to weigh those options out. You have to decide, okay, should we buy saying, well, it would be helpful if we bought these things. We could put them out. We get a lot of marketing exposure, blah, blah, blah. And you have to weigh that decision every time. But if you have the right principles set and your values set, you don't have to make every decision every time. You just have to run them through your principles and decide for you. Nope. We are FOMO over promo. We don't just put promotion out. We create a culture that compels people to action, not calls them to action. Let's tell stories. Let's not just put an ad out. And it's like, oh, okay, great. Decision made. I no longer have to do that. Where the opposite takes a lot of time, a lot of meetings. Mm. Meetings. Of, mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I almost just threw up here yeah. in my chair, Alan. It is one of those things. So, yep. Um, let me ask you this. Where and when can people get their hands on the 38 principles? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. It is in the final stages right now. It is going through formatting. It will be out mid-November. Mm. So not too far. It will be out mid-November. I uh, haven't figured out the date that it's getting published yet, but it will be out mid-November, and they can get it um, on Amazon. I am so happy for our audience that they are now going to be empowered to get a fantastic Christmas present for yeah. whatever marketing gurus or wannabe marketing gurus they have in their lives. I want to share with folks also, I learned a lot uh, from you, Alan, uh, from your newsletter. Thank you. Could you please share the deets on the newsletter? Folks, write this down. Sign up for Alan's newsletter. There's a lot of great info in there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I started writing a newsletter earlier this year, actually January of this year. So it's been uh, 10 months. It's called Sunday Six. Um, you can check it out. It, you can read previous issues on my website, which is alandragu, A-L-I-N-D-R-A-G-U.com. And I write it every Sunday. And it's basically six things that I learned that week that I believe are modern wisdom with timeless thinking. Um, mm. The idea out of books or podcasts or anything that I've learned that week that I say, this is going to be super helpful um, to anybody else that wants to grow in their wisdom. And so, shared every Sunday, shared one yesterday. Yep, I haven't uh, read that one yet, but I'm excited to. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy. Yeah, so I do it every week, so you're more than welcome to subscribe. I give behind the scenes on, like, I gave behind the scenes on writing the book and mm. post a lot of stuff. And so, yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you for uh, subscribing and enjoying it every single week. AlanDragu.com, The Sunday Six. All right, we'll be back on North Georgia Business Radio X. Those about to rock, we salute you. Back here on North Georgia Business Radio X with somebody who does rock, Mr. Alan Dragu. Alan, besides being a marketing guru, author uh, of now what I'm a book I'm very excited to read, as well as a fantastic weekly newsletter, The Sunday Six. He is one heck of a musician. He had a company which he started, Bearded Boards. Yep, where you made uh, guitar. Pedal boards. That's right. Which is really cool. I want to know, and Alan is not prepared for this question, so we'll see where it goes, but how do you see an interplay between music and marketing? There seems to be a lot with all the creativity and free-flowing whatnot. What do you think? As far as as, as far as the hobby itself or, or music holistically? Music or? holistic. Like, how do you think that being a musician and your... Um, your discipline and practice of music has helped you as a marketing professional? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Absolutely, it's helped me uh, in, in practically everything I do because, honestly, at the end of the day, if you want to be a decent musician at anything, you have to have some sort of good discipline and level of focus. I mean, you go to the woodshed for hours, right? Yeah. And, and now granted, I'm actually thankful to have grown up in an era where I got to play guitar prior to the internet, as weird as that sounds. Tell me about that. I'm interested because I did too. Yeah. I learned to play guitar basically from magazines, Guitar World and Guitar One magazine. Yeah, me too. Uh, so my, my brother played guitar and he had guitar books in his room. And so I would just take those books, books of tabs, and I would just yep. go and read them. 
and and try and tap it out and and watch like John Mayer videos. He had the DVD of this John Mayer where the light is and wow, and it was super cool. Now, granted, YouTube was like in its bare infancy, bare infancy. So there was no like going on YouTube to figure out how to play guitar, which nowadays you you can you can go on YouTube and learn anything. And so in navigating that, you had to woodshed, right? You had to get in there and and do the work. You have to get in there and do the work. You have to build some level of focus. And and in that, that is probably just just being able to do something for 90 minutes a day. Mm. Just that's the thing. Throwing your phone across the room and just sitting down and whether it's reading a book or playing guitar or learning graphic design or, or using your camera for photography, it doesn't matter what it is. Guitar is the same. Learning guitar was the same. Is if you can't get in the woodshed for ninety minutes a day, at least ninety minutes a day, you're not going to learn it. Yeah, right? it's it's going to be incredibly difficult. So, I was very grateful to have learned it as a kid when I had. You had ninety minutes a day. I had ninety minutes a day. More than that, I had quite quite a bit more than that. <laughs> yep. So you could put five, six, seven hours in, uh, playing guitar and still go hang out with your friends and and go to school and 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 do all that stuff. But ninety minutes a day, in fact, ninety minutes a day is how I wrote the the book. Mm. Because I wrote that book in three months. It was my first book. And people are like, well, how'd you write the book so fast? Because some people take like three years. It was 90 minutes a day. It was going in It was going in the woodshed just like I would with my guitar. You pick up a guitar, you sit down for 90 minutes, and you, and you practice. You practice the scale, you practice whatever. It's the same thing with writing a book. It was 90 minutes a day, 90 days, three months, 70,000 words. That's a book. So... It's just, if you can master the art of 90 minutes a day, you could practically do whatever you want in less than 18 months. Mm. Less than 18 months, mastering a skill, 90 minutes a day. Well, and here's something that that I think is powerful right now. We both came up, as mentioned, when you had to struggle a little more to learn the guitar, you didn't have just these videos right. showing you everything. But those videos are great tools and there's many things like that where I feel like if you if you were able to bypass the uh, mindless digital distraction yep. that is available, harness those. If you're able to, if you're you know out there wanting to learn guitar and you go after it 90 minutes a day, and you have the tools of those YouTube videos, yeah. you can fly so much higher. Yeah. But but combining those, it's like for example in the morning, I like to read my Bible. Yeah. Right now I'm I'm reading this Bible plan with a couple other people, which is cool. I like the camaraderie and that we're doing it together and holding each other accountable. But really, it's almost more detrimental to me that I'm using my phone instead of just holding a Bible because there's so many other directions I could go. Yeah. Um. So if if you can harness the tools. And use them effectively without letting them use you. You can really fly high, but it takes a lot of discipline to do that. Yeah, one hundred percent. On our farm, you know, we do a lot of things uh, much more of a traditional way with the way we rotate animals and everything, yeah. which is great. You know, and so we're doing. I think this this farm I emulate a lot, white oak pastures. They're they're tagging as uh, radically traditional agriculture. Oh, I like that. That's a good line. Oh, it's awesome. I, w- I wish I came up with it, but they're doing great with it. I love it. Um, and it's like it's traditional, but then we're able to do it in a radical way because we have modern tools like electric fence, solar energizers, and all these cool things. So marrying the tits, we're in a wonderful time, wonderful time, 
if you can utilize the tools and not have them use you. Yeah, man, that's good. Utilize the tools and not have them use you. That's a great line. Uh, a few uh, things I want to draw out from you, Alan, before we're gone and the audience has lost their opportunity for this, hear this direct conversation. Tell us more about the 90 minutes a day concept. Yeah, so 9091 is a method that I used for writing the book and I didn't come up with it. I stole it from somebody or a mentor. Somebody told me about it. I forgot where. I really should document this stuff, but 9091 is 90 minutes a day for 90 days on one project. And so this is this is the exact method that I'm using for quite a few things. Like right now I'm working on um, I'm working on a project at Missio um, that's going to take a lot of a lot of time, right? And and often I fire off these projects and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm focusing on, and I put it in a 9091 method where I'm like, okay, 90 minutes a day in the morning, I'm going to work on this one project. If I get it done before 90 days, awesome. If not, not a big deal. And the reason I like 90 minutes a day, um. 90 minutes, because a lot of people will base their projects or base their goals off um, something quite a bit more uh, measurable. Like for writing a book, people will do word count goals. So they'll say, I'm going to write a thousand words a day. A thousand words could take you 10 minutes or it Mm. could take you two hours. And so it's really hard to measure whether you put in today's good work on a thousand words, especially if those thousand words are trash, which that doesn't even matter. And so in writing right. a book and time-based, and I had this same conversation with my friend Lee Baker, and Lee's writing all kinds of music for all kinds of super cool people right now. And he doesn't, we talked about this the other day. I had coffee with him, and he was like, yeah, I do, uh, he does the same thing, 90-91. And so he's doing 90 minutes. He's doing 90 minutes. He's like, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to write for 90 minutes. He's going to write music for 90 minutes. He's a much better guitar player than I am, by the way. And and he'll sit down. And he'll write sometimes a couple songs or he'll finish a couple songs that he started a couple days ago. Now, if he could walk into that meeting and say, all right, today I'm going to finish this one song. He might be done in 30 minutes or he might be done in three hours, depending on. But he's, I'm going to finish this one song. That's just hot. That's uncontrollable. It's too much pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, you can't control. I had this conversation with somebody else the other day that was like, I'm going to write two viral tweets a week. I love Twitter. And I was like, well, how are you going to know that they're that they're viral? He's like, well, I'm going to write till they go viral. And I was like, well, that's, that's uncontrollable. You cannot control the output, but you can control the input. And so the most controllable input is 90 minutes. Whether you say, well, I can control a thousand words. Yeah, but you can't control the span and the effort that it takes to put a thousand words. You can 100% control I put in 90 minutes. And you can schedule that. You really can't schedule a thousand words. It's like, well, I only got to 800, but I have this meeting coming up or whatever. But you can say, I'm blocking out 90 minutes. I'm a woodshed it, baby. I'm a woodshed it. Yeah. And you could take that. that, That's exactly right. 90 minutes. So if you want to learn guitar, 90 minutes a day for 90 days on that one thing. That one part is really important because you cannot cannot write two books mm-hmm. 90 minutes a day 90 days it's not the point don't do that do the one thing that you want to do for 90 days do that four times a year and you'll have conquered four monstrosity of a projects in one year we truly underestimate what 90 minutes a day can do for us mm. amen bam you the man all right 
Alan, hey, if you're a if you're a Christian business leader or uh, or or run a church or a nonprofit, check out Missio. You'll get to work with Alan. Be on the look. Go sign up for his newsletter. Go to alandragu.com. A-L-I-N-D-R-A-G-U.com. Damn. Get up to date on the book, the newsletter. Alan, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on North Georgia Business Radio X. Thanks for having me. Great time. You've been listening to North Georgia Business Radio X with Phil Vanelli. What local business do you know that should be highlighted on our program? Let us know. Just search North Georgia Business Radio X on Facebook or contact Bo at businessradiox.com. See you next time, and remember to support our local businesses.